from a technology standpoint, we we took advantage of, I would say, the pandemic and the fact that everything has been put on hold to uh, sometimes when it made business sense to accelerate projects that we had in the pipeline uh, to either make us more modern in some cases or make us more secure. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loams. Great to have you join us again this week. On today's show, we have Daniel Marion, Chief of Information and Communication Technology at UEFA. Daniel joined UEFA 20 years ago and has held different jobs within the areas of ICT and digital media. He currently heads ICT with a team of more than 80 people and an extensive third-party network of national and international suppliers and vendors. Daniel holds an engineering degree and an MBA from the London Business School. He has extensive experience in the delivery of ICT solutions, thus enabling the operation of major football competitions, including the UEFA Champions League and the last five UEFA European Championships, in areas ranging from networking, event management and digital media. During the last two European Championships, he held a position in the tournament management team, playing a key part in ensuring decision-making and issue-solving at the highest levels. In the last couple of years, Daniel worked on optimizing internal and external processes and significant cost efficiencies while maintaining an above-average level of service for UEFA to its business partners and 55 member associations. Within UEFA, the overall objective of ICT is to bring value to its stakeholders and help UEFA deliver the ultimate best service and experience during competitions. Daniel is also part of the UEFA Digital Board and UEFA's Innovation Hub, looking to enable the digital transformation of the organization on all domains from B2B, B2E, and B2C. Also part of challenging the normal delivery of football as we know it today. Daniel is a renowned thought leader in sport technology and a regular keynote speaker at leading events, so we're delighted to have him featured on the show today. I'm sure many of you watched the UEFA Champions League final uh, all of us were sitting on our couches uh, for this one. Unfortunately, no one was able to be there in the stands. So uh, really, that sums up 2020 and, and certainly something that we'll be talking to Daniel about. As always, you can find show notes on sportstechfeed.com. You can also sign up to our newsletter at sportstechworldseries.com. It's a weekly newsletter. It gives you all the top news that's happening in the industry in addition to some deep dives uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about particular areas. And summaries of the podcast for the week just in case you've missed it if you have enjoyed today's episode i would strongly encourage you to leave a review on apple podcasts or recommend it on linkedin uh, always helps spread the word of what we're doing share this content with uh, people in the industry because that's the purpose of this uh, is really lifting the standard of the industry um, sharing the best voices out there in sports tech uh, and hopefully driving us all forward especially in a year like 2020 I'll be back at the end of the interview with a few more thoughts and some final notes. For now, here is Daniel Marion. Daniel Marion, Chief of Information and Communication Technology at UEFA. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy so to be here. That's, that's great to hear. And, uh, and where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from our offices in Neon, uh, Switzerland. Yes. And obviously a big couple of weeks. Um, just had just had the final. Uh, was that one of those things that you were able to sneak into the stadium, or was it still um, still no, unable to attend? Sadly, uh, due to the circumstances, uh, the, the the public was uh, not going to the the, the finals this year, and uh, we had a, a process in place to uh, to capture and uh, and limit and make sure that everything is. Uh, compliant with the health measures that we've been agreed. Uh, we have uh, sort of defined and agreed with the different countries where we, we play the Europa League, uh, Champions League and the Women's Champions League. Yeah. So I was uh, watching it from home. 
watching it from home, like like uh, like most other people were, including myself. Um, uh, I mean, that that's a perfect starting point. How has UEFA faced the challenges, uh, the unprecedented challenges of of COVID nineteen this year? So I think UEFA had the as a whole. I mean, I'm, I will talk technology at the end, maybe, but I think as, as a whole, uh, it was very very hard for the company as we had a big event this year. So we had to take uh, uh, decisions, and uh, I think our our uh, leadership uh, and all the political structures around football uh, uh, pulled together to come up with firstly uh, the decision to uh, postpone Euro to next year, and then also to to stop the season. And then, in uh, in numerous during numerous discussions, I would say uh, we we found uh, a way to uh, to give the opportunity to the to the different. Uh, leagues to end the, their season and then to uh, to find these uh, this, this kind of new model that seeming so the press is very happy and the fans seem to be very happy about but it was uh, obviously uh, for us uh, the the only way or the way we thought was the the most adequate to to run these uh, these finals as mini tournaments in one leg game yeah and i think it has been a resounding success um i think uh, people have acknowledged the reality of the situation um, and certainly seeing, um, say, uh, the German response as you talk about country by country, the different ways that they've done it with the Bundesliga, with one of the first um, professional leagues back from a shutdown um, going forwards with no fans. And, and was it one of those things that you looked at, at different countries' models? Uh, how, how much are you in touch with um, counterparts in domestic domestic leagues? So I wasn't driving this directly myself, but uh, I trust that we've been in, in, in touch with uh, the Germans who were the first ones uh, doing, uh, doing the return to play. And uh, in the, our medical committee is composed by, by doctors of the different federations. Uh, so, and the German one is there too. So I think there is, through that, uh, through that mm. uh, group, we have, uh, we've been, uh, been lucky enough to get uh, to get an understanding of uh, of most countries through that channel, and uh, I trust that uh, on top we've been in contact with uh, uh, as many people as we could to uh, to capture ideas and see what what it means on the ground. Because I think process-wise as well, there are the, the, the it's the testing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but how do you know how many people are in which zones, etc.? Normally, a football game you have hundreds if not thousands of people uh, there to uh, to make sure the game is is a success and uh, now with this with these restrictions etc not only wearing masks and the and the, the distanciation and uh, the cleaning the hands etc but we we needed to know uh, sort of at each moment how many people do we have in the, the different zones etc and then afterwards also talking teams so we had to to change a bit our Sort of access and accreditation models to capture the the new COVID. Like most, uh, like most, uh, I would say, sports organization did to create that sort of bubble. But the bubble changed size and uh, changed the uh, numbers depending on time of day, etc. Which yeah. created also process-wise is different for the people who used to work in one way. Uh, so technology tried to support us as a, as best as we could but then it's it's a change and when you used to work for many years in a way then you have to adapt it's less less easy than it could have been sometimes i guess yeah and 
I mean, that's, that's, that's a good launching off point for, for the next question is how, what is the process for introducing new or, or even creating new technology um, partnerships at UEFA um, and, and something like COVID-19, I imagine um, was one of those things where new solutions were looked at or, or extending them um, to, to we, meet the threat. From a technology standpoint, we, uh, we took advantage of uh, the, the, I would say the pandemic and the fact that everything has been put on, on hold to uh, sometimes when it made business sense to accelerate projects that we had in the pipeline uh, to either make us more modern in some cases or make us more secure or, or we still had some stuff to put on the cloud so we finished that transition or we took advantage of, of that and also when we had to review processes we had our business colleagues not traveling on events all the time and we could uh, I think do workshops and rethink some of the things we never really have time to do. So we, we took this time where some of the, the teams were more available to uh, actually bring business value, which mm. was that, that was kind of the positive. Obviously, uh, there was a, a big discussion about really bringing business value that will be there for the future. So maybe saving costs in the future, etc. Because it's also, uh, I think, like for most organizations, a time where we had to uh, to be very cost, uh, sorry, cost conscious and uh, and not spend on things that are not uh, or that were not very very much needed or transforming the businesses in a positive way. After uh, so we did amend some of the solutions to uh, to make them sort of COVID aware, I would say. Uh, but we didn't onboard uh, specifically new tools or technologies during during that period. We integrated partners. Uh, we're working with. Uh, so we worked with SynLab for the testing, et cetera. So we integrated with them. Uh, that was more because they were in the countries where the teams were than uh, based on their, their technology. They're more a testing lab than an IT company. So we did yeah. more uh, uh, based on that. But this is, this is what we, we did. Otherwise, I think we are sort of, uh, we are a bit of, uh, we want to be aware of, what's out there so we are always exploring and we want to know what's coming up from a technology perspective and i think sports is a is a very interesting field for experiencing new technologies and at the same time we also uh, we cannot uh, be uh, one of these large i think it or other organization that can throw uh, 10 things on the wall and see what six we don't have enough resources to do that we don't have enough uh, also human resources to do this and uh, Normally, when we deliver something to our fans or our our broadcasters, our rights holders, sponsors, we all want to make sure it's something that's robust enough. So we're, I would say, we can be sometimes early adopters in large-scale events of technologies, uh, but at the same time, we also uh, try to keep up with uh, what's happening in the sort of the the uh, more startup world, the innovation world. Yeah, and I guess it's the balancing between future proofing and what's coming next and, and the innovations, but also realizing that there's an inherent risk in, um, in trialing innovations, that it's, it's something new. And uh, I know the UEFA Innovation Hub, for instance, so that was created in 2018, I think it was, um, basically a vehicle for that, for future proofing. Um, UEFA staying one step ahead, seeing what innovations are, are coming down the line. And, and of course, this year as well, um, you've partnered with or are a partner in uh, Reimagined Football, um, which 
I mean, can you outline reimagined football a little bit for any of our um, any of our guests that aren't um, familiar with that? So uh, this started actually before COVID. The idea was to uh, uh, to find a way to through the innovation hub, which is uh, uh, sort of our our way to to look at uh, startups or the sort of what's what's out there uh, in terms of uh, sort of new ways of using technology to deliver new ways of uh, actually either experiencing games on TV or or measuring stuff on the on the, on the field of play or limiting injuries or engaging with with fans or your younger, younger generations etc etc so that's quite a uh, a big field but then uh, so the reimagined football is coming from that and in discussions with other organizations we thought that it would be quite interesting that rather than having people coming on stage for seven minutes and pitch their ideas, uh, having them kind of pitch their ideas and then show it during a live game in a real stadium with, I would say, some public at the time it was the idea, but uh, I mean, not, not a full stadium and obviously maybe not the, the, the Champions League final, but uh, having people playing on, on a pitch on a, in a modern stadium and seeing live what the technology can really deliver in the context of football so from yeah. coming to the venue being in the venue watching the game and then obviously also uh, maybe engaging with the game when you're not in the stadium so the, the idea was to take advantage of being on a venue it was, the, the idea was to be in amsterdam and uh, the and they, they they would have brought their their junior team to play and uh, and uh, give us the action whilst the companies could really show us uh, what their technology could bring. Because a lot of times when you see slides and demos, it's not really the, the, something that can be implemented. Mm. Because of the lighting is different, uh, the cameras are too far from the pitch, or whatever else. And uh, I think having it uh, firsthand and being able to discuss with these organizations and the, the, the companies, etc., would have been very, very helpful for us to better understand maybe what's what's more promising and what's not yeah. more promising or what's less yeah. promising and also uh, engage with them beforehand to uh, make sure the day is as productive as possible. Let's say. Mm. And it's, it's what looks good on a slide deck versus what looks good in a stadium. Um, things like latency issues is, is something that I always um, bring up with startups that I mentor is going, this is great, but is it going to work on their existing infrastructure um, and not be horribly delayed and, and therefore yeah, just, exactly. just, just completely useless? And um, you mentioned Amsterdam, so that's uh, Johan Cruyff Arena. Um, so we actually have a global partnership with, um, with the stadium there, very innovative um, stadium, doing some fantastic work and, and reimagine uh, football. I think the other partners are the uh, city group, so obviously Manchester yeah. City and their various satellite teams. Um, the Dutch national football team, which I will not attempt to pronounce in Dutch, but it's the Dutch national football team. Uh, Ajax, uh, headquartered at, um, at uh, home team at, at Johan Cruyff, um, and of course, UEFA Innovation Partnership. And I was think also our friends at KPMG are involved in there somewhere as well. So fantastic stuff. And um, we were involved last year with their previous iteration of it and some really cool solutions. There was one that springs to mind around blockchain um, and ticketing. So basically yes. you arrive at the stadium and your your ticket becomes active if you resell it. 
So it's stopping ticket scalping. It's, it's things like that. It's really cool little technology um, uses that are really innovative and also um, to kind of call back to your comment earlier about uh, value in the, the Venn diagram between um, value and returning to play with COVID-19, with the pandemic in mind, but then looking longer term um, and saying, well, is this going to be a short-term solution just to challenge COVID or is it something that's going to add value longer term? And I think things in digital ticketing is, is big for that. Yeah, clearly. I mean, we, from a few years now, we are having, uh, we're transitioning towards mobile tickets, uh, which makes it, uh, for us, uh, a lot more flexible. And uh, as you said, it, it helps also on the, the black market front. And uh, we, we invested in the blockchain technology because we thought that that's robust enough for in our case. And also, I think the model of we have to, for people to enter a venue is uh, slightly more complicated than, than for standard games where you just arrive with your ticket. We have different zones, so we have to enable the ticket when you arrive closer to the, to the venue. So it gives you, the, it gives you the, the option to send it to friends, etc. if you couldn't attend. And also, we would know who was there, at least which phone was there, etc. So it helps uh, quite a bit. And also, if, when you look at these these days, I think it also will help in knowing uh, if we know the phone number and and you have to have a ticket per phone number. Currently, uh, it's not the case because if you come with kids, etc., you can have many. But uh, at least it will give us a, an easier way to trace back people if we need to do so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So GDPR compliant. At that yes, that's yes. That's right. uh, it goes without saying. It goes without saying. Yes, G GDPR um, compliant there. And uh, what kind of um, companies do you work with as part of either the UEFA Innovation Hub or Reimagine Football? I know you've just closed um, applications for Reimagine Football, so it's it's kind of looking in, into September for some of the, the demonstrations. But is it is it just startups or is it established companies who who can kind of basically no, there, there work are, with you? There, there is a mixture. Normally, we don't really go with very, very early stage companies. We go with stuff that already works because, again, back to uh, if you want to see it live in a venue, you need to have meat on some meat on the bone. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it makes no sense. So we are we had uh, so in the past we worked uh, with different companies like the like uh, Second Spectrum, like. Uh, signality as well like um, uh, that's more on the on the AI so computer vision front uh, but I think we we work with uh, with with numerous ones where sometimes that when I say we work is just we give them access to some footage we give them access to some chats etc because we as we are we are not directly investing in them where with uh, as a venture capital would do or or other in private equity investors, et cetera. So we don't do this. So we don't uh, have a, a sort of cash invested, but we are, we are very happy to give time and, uh, and material where, when and where we think that this will uh, give us value back. What we're also doing sometimes is uh, working with, uh, with schools around the, around the area. And uh, we have many schools, uh, good schools in Switzerland. Uh, and uh, looking at some of our business problems and trying to see and have that, that part of a curricular of, uh, sort of MBA people uh, doing some schools around Lausanne, et cetera, and trying to get their views about how, how could we 
make mm. football better for families or how can we make uh, football better for locals or whatever else when we come with a large event. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's something that I think um, you don't have to be UEFA to take advantage of, uh, of students. Um, not take advantage, that's a horrible way to put it, but take advantage of the skills that they can offer and they get the, the advantage they get is working with a, you know, a fantastic brand and working with, um, with problem, actual problems in the industry. And that's certainly something with the state of sports, with layoffs and, and things like that, that people looking to break into the industry, if they can have some very real, tangible um, problems to work on, um, then that, that helps everyone out. So, yeah, definitely. And, and what are your, I guess, your predictions for the most important technology in the next 6, 12, 18 months? I'm, I'm asking you to peer into your crystal ball and, um, and let us know what's coming down so the pipeline. In terms of, I think, the, the obvious ones, I guess, but uh, we are, I am a, a big believer in sort of computer vision and what it can bring for sport. I think as uh, I used some examples of companies that are not really startups anymore. We are uh, engaging with uh, now, uh, actually Second Spectrum is, uh, is present uh, for the Women's Champions League uh, turn tournament in, uh, in Spain at the moment. Uh, so we'll see. So I think there uh, for the flagship competitions in, on, on one hand, but uh, certainly for, I would say, the, the smaller one, the grassroots, if you have the ability to automate uh, highlights, statistics gathering, etc., it, it will mean that uh, if you play in a game that is not uh, the Champions League final with so many cameras, etc., etc., that you can still have a bit of a feel of who you are, uh, what, score, what goal did you score, how did you play, etc. And uh, going back to uh, also the younger generation, if we have that going towards people 13, 15, etc., probably active on social media, then they have their sport and they can, instead of just saying, I've scored that fantastic goal, they can share it with friends. And even though we're talking about something that is probably not generating uh, the same amounts of uh, media rights revenues that, that than, than top leagues, but uh, in terms of uh, engagement, in terms of having people playing football in the future, etc., I think that could be only positive. Mm. And, uh, also, if we look at potentially with these type of technologies, having cheaper VAR for for leagues that in the future cannot really have all the setup uh, coming or that that's needed today through to make uh, VAR a reality. So maybe with some technologies in the future, some computer vision technology, this can be, uh, this can be done at a, at a cheaper cost. So I think there, there is a big, big element there that, uh, that will transform, if we can use that word, uh, the way some of the things we do today is done. Yeah, um, yeah. Definitely, I mean, the, the ability from, from youth, grassroots, um, into even even lower leagues, um, if you can do remote automated production um, using computer vision, using either um, going to existing camera feeds or getting to the point that you can do it off an iPhone and then feed that in. Yeah, exactly. um, it, it just gives everyone the feel of, and then overlay that with with graphics, OTT offerings. It's it's kind of that whole ecosystem that makes everyone from the thirteen year old having a kick. Um, with their friends to the the lower leagues that are are the talent feeder coming into um into some of the the bigger leagues um makes them feel feel like a pro makes them feel like they are stepping out um 
uh, for the UEFA League, UEFA Champions League final. So um, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's great opportunity there. Yeah, fantastic. And it, would would there be any other um, outside of computer vision and and what we've discussed? Yeah, I think there, there, are, other... there are a few. I think the other one uh, that is also very talked about uh, in the past months is five G. Uh, I think we are we're far from it being a uh, Kind of as solid and as fast as it uh, as it will be in a few years, so maybe 12 to 18 months. I'm I'm a, a bit too optimistic there, so it's probably coming later. But uh, when it's when it's there, I think what, going back to what you said, uh, Thomas, about remote production, clearly uh, when 5G is there and the cameras have the SIM card and you don't need cabling and you don't need anything, and it's as robust as the the sort of the signals fiber transmission or satellite transmission we have today. I think this will enable to produce sport in a different way uh, and probably will discover what it changes uh, around in and around the, the pitch uh, when it's when it's available because they, they can probably bring new creativity to uh, to how we, we do things. And uh, then it probably probably also create uh, changes in the way we consume. Even though I think today with 4G mm. and uh, and uh, and kind of Wi-Fi when it's available, you can do quite a lot of things already with your phone, etc. But uh, so I think on the consumption side, I think 5G will probably not transform the way we consume because we have a, quite a lot of bandwidth already today. But in terms of production, this will uh, definitely bring. A, a, on the table, a new way to uh, to uh, create content, which I think this will be transformative as well for for the industry. Yeah, the, the example with Second Spectrum, for instance, is being able to um, automate player tracking, for instance, or or certain give yeah. people those um, very customized and personalized experiences, and and whether that is. Um, as a digital offering, whether that's OTT or even on traditional broadcasts across different channels. Yeah, it can be uh, any channel. I think if it's yeah. a digital, an end-to-end -end digital channel, this will be, uh, this will be uh, probably easier to add on top than a broadcast because probably the broadcast you have to cover, or you do mainly mm. broadcast because you, yeah. I think it, there are stuff that are good uh, for uh, a segment of the of the population let's say and there are stuff that are less good for a segment of the population so i think having the the ability to sort of tailor a bit your experience is quite uh, is quite important in my view so that's why the digital sort of digital transport will enable that in an easier way than broadcast does today but yeah. even if it's kind of on the back of broadcast and that also is reflected in the way that um fan fandom's changing as well a little bit i think it's probably more prevalent in u.s sports like basketball where people will follow players um uh, over and above a team um i think in in football it's still very much um and in australian rules football similar thing you have your team and the only thing that parts you with your 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 support of that team is basically death. <laughs> um, you know, you are a fanatic about that team, but people are starting to follow individual players more, and that's and, and certainly yeah, younger generations. We see the same. We see the same here. Mm. Um, uh, a lot of people will have their team plus their players. Yep. Uh, and it can be two different things that uh, that live live their life uh, uh, alongside each other. And uh, after probably the question is. Uh, who do you support more when they play or against each other? But uh, that's kind of people's, uh, they have their own response to that, I guess. 
but it's true that uh, I mean the the, the change of uh, of Ronaldo to Juventus, for instance, changed totally the kind of social media in you know, Juventus uh, went through the roof, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are there are people who are probably still Madrid fans, but they might be as well or continue to be Ronaldo fans, as an example. And probably mm. there are many other players uh, in that uh, that are the, uh, yeah. Are experiencing the same. Yeah, and it's it's that with the digital broadcasting. You can go, I'm going to watch 90 minutes of a Real match, but then I don't want to watch 90 minutes of Juventus because I'm watching for Ronaldo. So I can get customized highlights of Ronaldo or another player, whoever that is. Um, and then that's that's an automated process. Um, I don't really have to hunt out that that footage. No, no exactly. Um, I mean, we, it's we delivered to me. Automatically tailoring your automating the production for your likings. I mean, that's kind of what, uh, what once kind of all of the above has been, uh, has been experienced and more mature. I think this will make all of that a lot easier. And then, uh, as I said, I think there are, we can only imagine what it can bring. I think we'll experience when it's there and, and then uh, the creativity of the different people will, will make, uh, will make it uh, as appealing as it, possibly can i think the other the other the other part looking more probably at again digital ott type transmissions is uh the 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 different uh, experiences that uh, covid has brought when it comes to watching with the friends or relatives etc uh sport content and other content i mean uh, netflix uh, amazon etc have trialed uh, Sort of the Twitch experience in a way, the and uh, the to have yeah friends that you can talk to on the side of your screen once while you watch a, uh, a sporting event, uh, and this will have to see when we can continue to so we can come back to meeting people. Mm. This will remain as big uh, as it is now or or not. I think that's not really technology. That's more. Uh, even if it uses technology to do this, it is more kind of a social habit uh, that people will take or not, depending yeah. on, uh, I think, probably on who you are and what you prefer, etc. But I think this will probably keep a little place in the in the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, those those technology tools were, were big a few years ago because it was it was kind of this burgeoning thing that you could watch basically looking like we are now on zoom, but with, um, with the game going on as well, we share our responses, we share how we're going, the, the whole watch along viewing party um, element, but it never really uh, realized its promise until the pandemic and people were forced to. So I totally agree that um, it would be interesting to see uh, how much of that remains, but I think it's got a foothold now and, it's, 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 yeah, it's going to be it's going to be continuing there. So, um, Live Like is one of the the kind of companies that I know working in the space. But there's there's definitely a few others. So, fantastic. And any other technology? I mean, we've just got we've got computer vision, five G, and, and watch long. So I think we've got enough on our plate in terms of yeah. I think the I mean, there are many, but uh, the the these these two, the, the first two clearly uh, I think will have a, an impact on sport as a whole and a. Uh, and probably, uh, if we don't uh, talk social media, etc., I think uh, the way we can create this personalized content, etc., I think uh, this underpins data and the way we analyze data, etc., etc. That could touch AI or 
but having a, a better understanding of what I like without me saying it and yeah. being and being served in a proper way what I want to watch. I think this and uh, I mean and beyond the just uh, proposals of uh, TV shows that are look alike with other TV shows, I'm sort of doing something more deep by analyzing what I do in the different touch points I have, etc. Uh, this will be quite powerful. So I think data, big data, whatever we want to call that, uh, will be also fueling the, the, the experience and making it hopefully better. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, and things like 5G um, will, will be a gateway to all of that, yeah, um, exactly. especially as a, as a, and a stadium experience as well in, in the ability to, once we have fans back in, um, customize that stadium experience um, and learn what you like, what, you know, whether that's food and beverage, whether that's retail opportunities, things like that. Um, and then, I mean, into the world of sports betting is a big application, but there's, there's a lot that, um, is unlocked by 5g. Um, and there's, they're all kind of complementary um, technology solutions. So it's pretty exciting. I mean, um, hopefully this year's, um, Champions League is the last one that you have to watch from your couch. Um, uh, but well, that remains to be seen, and 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 sport is clawing its way back. Yeah, <laughs> quite the yeah, quite the. Did you did you think that in say March or January, if someone said to you, you know what, this year you're going to be um, sitting at home? What was what was more unlikely? Um, Barcelona getting beaten um, by by eight goals, eight, eight, or or you sitting at home? Which one? If someone said that to you in January, which one would you say is, is more likely? I think it's probably uh, me sitting at home. I think nobody yeah. expected COVID, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we all have to learn from that. And, but uh, after you, you brought up a kind of stadium experience, that's a very interesting point for another debate. I think uh, these new technologies can bring uh, maybe more to what, what the stadium experience brings already in terms of atmosphere, et cetera. Because the TV coverage and uh, sort of sort of so the media coverage is getting so good for big events that you probably have a lot a lot better vision in terms of view of what's happening uh, in the during the game when you watch it on TV and that's for most sports after you don't have the the the, the element of being there and participating and sharing so if we if through technology we can bring kind of these two words together when we're in the venue, I think this also will be transformative and will make people want to go to venues, even mm. though these days we're, we're, we're sadly not in that, uh, in that uh, context yet. Yeah, competing with, the, uh, competing with the couch and competing with that immersive experience that, that uh, is being established at, at home or, or at venues um, that aren't the stadium itself. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big challenge and a, and, a, and a topic enough for ten more podcasts and 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 webinars and everything else. So I think we'll wrap it up there. That there's there's been a lot that we've covered, and I really appreciate your time um, on that. And um, a bit of a shout out as well to Reimagine Football. Um, as I said, the applications are closed at this point, but keep an eye on that. And if you are a company with solutions, then look into that. Look into the uh, UEFA Innovation Hub. Um, keep an eye there. I think you can sign up on their websites and I'll, I'll include a link as well so people can, can stay informed. Clear. Cool. Fantastic. And before we go, one last question, um, Daniel, what is your favorite sporting moment of all time? 
what's my favorite sporting moment of all times? I'm putting you on the spot about this one as well. Yeah. I think uh, one is difficult. I think the, the, I'm a, when I was younger, I was a basketball player. So I think the sort of the so Jordan winning the, the, the finals kind of uh, every time was quite, quite unique, I think. For me, when I watched it as a, also I was a lot younger, so maybe emotion-wise we were a lot bigger. Uh, and uh, that was for the TV moment, and uh, for the sport moment is when when I played basketball when we when we moved from second division to first division. That was kind of a good moment. What was your What was your team called in the, the that you were playing basketball for? Uh, when we moved from second to first was Sampré. So it's small team in Switzerland. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, because I was trying to include footage of that. I think I'll be able to find footage of Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> in the NBA finals, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if, um, I mean, I, honestly, I, I speak French, but I can't even pronounce that team name. But um, I'm not sure if uh, I can find it. Is there a last dance for your your journey from second division not, to first division? Not, but it was a, a good... Uh, Emotion, so emotionally, it was a very good moment when you all won what happened the last game. So it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Daniel. It's been a pleasure to have you on this show. Um, as I said, I'll include some, some links in, into various things we've discussed. Um, but great to have you sharing the contribution. Looking forward to seeing you work for Go From Strength to Strength. Thank you very much, Thomas. Thanks for your time as well. Uh, thanks, everybody. Hopefully, it was useful. and. Uh, and let's uh, all have our fingers crossed for uh, COVID to end as quickly as possible. Stay Definitely. safe. Bye-bye. There you have it. That was Daniel Marion, Chief of Information and Communication Technology at UEFA. Fantastic to have uh, such a, such a high-profile industry leader sharing his expertise um, on what is arguably the best club competition in the entire world. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a kind of a close competition for that. And, and certainly UEFA is um, is a gold standard for what's happening on the pitch and, and what they're doing off the pitch as well is, is very interesting. And, and I'll include some uh, links, as I said, to the Reimagined Football Initiative, uh, also the UEFA Innovation Hub. And hopefully some of our listeners can get involved there and really have their, have their solutions included as part of that return to play, part of that. Uh, continuing innovation uh, and digital initiatives at UEFA. As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, great to have your reviews and uh, your feedback on the show. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so on LinkedIn, Thomas Alomes, or contact me directly, thomas at sportsdeckworldseries.com. If there's any follow-up questions or uh, discussions that you'd like to have, um, then always happy to hear from our listeners um, and great to continue the conversation there. We've got a great few weeks of shows coming up, including guests from the UK Olympics. Uh, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers, LA Rams, um, also uh, some experts in sports performance, talking about trends in that space. And of course, if you've missed any of these episodes, then you can go back either sportstechfeed.com or on your preferred podcast platform. Thanks again for joining us. Until next week, I've been your host, Thomas Loams. Bye for now. 